actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. calls a lot of times are obviously the primary thing that gets police or other help on the way. People call in and as you've heard on the show or anywhere else during 911 calls, the calls can be extreme. The delivery of this information is key in quick response and hopeful closure to the incident. Most calls for police or medics or fire department do come in via 911 or a non-emergency line from either a victim, sometimes a suspect as we heard, or just someone witnessing whatever's happening. But we actually get some calls that are delivered in a bit of a different way. Infrequently, someone may have a friend that's an officer and they may call them directly for advice or assistance. Others they may have someone else within the police department they would call or the fire department. Lots of ways in getting in contact with the police. But with that being said, in regards to this episode, the phrase necessity is the mother of invention that comes to mind. And this was absolutely a necessity. Little warning before we get into all this, the call itself is not that bad. But the details of what happened, that might shake you a little bit. So just a little bit of warning up front. Welcome back to Music City 911.
So this call that I'm going to play right now, it didn't come in on 911. It did come in via one of the non-emergency numbers for Las Vegas. But it wasn't called in by, like I was saying, the victim or a suspect, anything like that. This one's done a little bit differently. This will give you a little bit of insight as to what it's like on the dispatch end when you're not on the phone with someone screaming or cussing at you or something like that. But even when you get a call like this, it can still turn up being something that's not that great. Metro Police, Millington 16057. How can I help you? Hey, Metro, it's PD on the recorded line. Hi. Hey, I need to set up a welfare check, please. What's the address? It's going to be 4307. It's going to be three words. Saddle Brook Park. All right. And is this a house? Henry six one two. Uh yes. Uh hold on one second. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm on the radio. So this is what we have. Uh, we have a first grader that handed some sticky notes or like post-it notes to the social worker this morning when she walked into the school. I think they had found it on the cafeteria. So reading on the notes, hold on one second. Um, she's stating, how's it going to be on this person really fast? Sorry. Okay. Um, uh, technically, the mom says, please help send police. There are guns in the house. And they have a metro officer name. Contact Las Vegas Metro PD officer Levi. Uh, let me go back to the call. Who's on that call, Rebecca? I do too. Um, um, it says uh, Las Vegas MPD officer name on notes Southeast Command Ryan Levi. Ryan. Lincoln Edward. Oh. Ryan. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, can you say the last name? Lincoln Edward Victor Yellow. Okay. 60, Okay, so it said, please help send police. There are guns in the house. Contact LVMPD officer Ryan Levy. Yes. Okay. One moment. Um, let me go back to that. So it, it looks like the mother gave those notes to her daughter. daughter. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And it says the notes. So we didn't know because originally the principal said it, we found it in the cafeteria. And I said, did you guys go back to, you know, cameras to see who put them there? So then she um, called the AP. She said, no, it was a social worker that gave it to. So going back to the address, uh, you know, I look it up and it's going back to a first grader there. I said, well, it's not just for one of your students. So then we go look at the address and it's her address which is the address on there um, they're also giving me a plate uh, 60100 x-ray on another note and it says why Nissan Altima and it says please help call my mom or sister tell them to call police for welfare check and then on the other notices there's guns in the house okay So the student, it's, you know, she's school four and she's in class. They're going to pull her out. They're going to bring her into the office. Oh. 
um, but we just wanted to set up the welfare check with the mom, so mom more than likely gave that to her daughter. Absolutely. So, okay, so the note said about the license plate? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just white knee. Um, do you know when the when she actually gave the note? This morning at 7.40. At 7.40. Okay. Give me mm -hmm. one moment. And then, so the writing, now that the principal went to the registration folder, the handwriting is the mom's writing. Oh. That says, please help, call mom. They verify the address with the application she filled out okay. for registration for the student. So it's the same, so it's mom writing the note. Gotcha. All right. And then something about and then he's the dad in there listed. Okay. Who's active? So I have mom's name and um, date of birth. Oh, okay. yeah. Give me the father that's listed. Gotcha. Give me one second. So one of the notes also mentioned a Mm-hmm. Which okay. is the father listed on there. Okay. Give me one moment. One second, Metro. Yeah, no. Oh. All right. Never mind. All right. Give me a little moment. I'm just putting everything in this event. Um, so far, the event is going to be 89732. Um, give me one moment. 89732? Yes. I just want to add all the license plate and everything. Okay. And um, so the mother's name? Okay. So mom is going to be last of And her date of birth? Okay, and then full uh, uh, information? Okay, and then uh, which is listed as dad, uh, lots of. Uh, same as the girl, so it is dad. Okay. And then a. Okay, and his date of birth? Okay. All right. And what's your event number? Ours is zero two zero. Eight two zero. And which school is this? Henry six one two. Um, so we have an officer that's going to be making contact at the school with the principal. She was our our PR. Okay. Mm, 
I actually have two units that are going over there. So she was in class. They pulled her, so they're going to have her in the principal's conference room, I'm assuming, or in the main office. Okay. And what was the school? School. Uh, and that's... Um, So I don't know if you guys have a report with that name for your officer. Yeah, I'm trying to look right now for him. It's just such a or weird call. Domestic or anything. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Oh, we do have an officer by that name. Um, okay. I get any record for the six six zero one zero zero X-ray. Yeah, I'm not getting a return either. Okay. Um, so our event is 89732. Um, I have it set up as unknown trouble, so our highest priority. Um, okay. We'll get someone out there as soon as we can. Okay. And will you be making contact with uh, staff at the school for the student? Um, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll have all the information in there, um, and I'll ask the officers if they do decide to make contact to let you guys know. Yes, can you please get um, get an update on that? Yeah, absolutely. All righty, we'll do it. Thanks, Michael. Right. We actually get calls in similar fashion to this pretty often, but not from the same sort of source. The ones we get are usually from within our own department. By that, I mean we have school resource officers assigned to schools here in Nashville. They are Metro Nashville police officers. This was a bit different in that Las Vegas, their actual school system, has their own police department separate from any city or county police department. I'm not sure of their actual role there, but I assume it's just the same as any other department that have arrest powers and things like that. But back to how or why would we get a call? Most of the time, it's a simple welfare check. Sometimes it's a child that's been out of school for a while or the school and or the officers there have reason to believe that there's a poor situation at home, maybe abuse or neglect or poor living conditions, things like that. In this one, it's quite a bit different. The notes brought in, they held a different sort of potential. As most of you know, kids, especially younger ones like this, they can come up with some wild stuff. Something like this is pretty far-fetched even for a child to make up, though. Even though there wasn't a lot of info in the notes, Something the school did that they mentioned in the call, which was a very good and thorough thing, is they checked the handwriting against stuff they had from the mother there at the office and verified it was her writing and not the child's. The stuff written on the notes, it was pretty sparse. I'm not sure if I was a dispatcher on either end of this, or even the officer that relayed the info, if I would know what they meant. It was certainly enough to, at minimum go over and check on the mother and see what's going on. How the police did everything past this, that part of it's still sort of in question. With this limited info, I don't believe there would be enough for a warrant, but at the same time, I'm not a judge and don't know exactly what would constitute a, obtaining a warrant for searching in Vegas. If they walked up and knocked on the door and asked what normally officers would do in a welfare check scenario, it might not be the best thing for a couple of reasons. Number one, the safety of the officers is something that needs to be addressed. Essentially, a call for help was placed, albeit in an odd way. But in that call for help, 
there was mention of guns. Officers absolutely could still walk up to the door and knock, but they would be at a greater risk of being potentially ambushed in some way. Number two, the person answering the door could simply deny any wrongdoing, put on a good story, and the police would have little they could actually do. Without some sort of probable cause, they couldn't enter the residence. Probable cause might be a bit different than here or somewhere else. Those notes alone might not be enough to get inside the house. But police did go and attempt to get warrants. While waiting on them, they stationed officers outside the house and waited for the warrants to be approved. Once officers got to the house, they observed the mother, along with a man, get in a car and drive off. A bit later, they observed a traffic violation and pulled him over. That's where the story both ended and begun for the two inside the car. Before I get into what the police found, I want to give a little bit of a backstory so you can all understand what led up to this. The mother, whose name is still not being released, was married to a man named Eli Dominguez. He died of a severe respiratory illness in January of 2021. A lot of those details from this comes from the woman's lawyer in an interview with People magazine, amongst other sources. After her husband passed away, she was having trouble paying bills and just getting by in general. A friend of the husband, Brandon Tosland, was in contact with the mother and her two children and started helping out. At some point, she and her children moved in with him. I found various sources calling him a boyfriend, and with her moving in like she did, I would assume that, but that may not be the case. Likely, but not sure. After they moved in, at first all seemed okay, but after a while, things started happening. The woman and Brandon started withdrawing from other family members. At a family gathering, Brandon was apparently disrespectful to other family members and from there just started putting more and more control over the woman and her children. The control had started out in bits, taking her cell phone away commanding where in the house she could and couldn't go, then moved to putting locks on the bedroom doors that were only able to be unlocked by keys, which he kept. He installed surveillance cameras, motion sensors, and was covering the windows. It got so bad that he even watched her while she was using the bathroom. She and the children were locked away most of the time. It seems the only time she was out of his sight was when she was locked in her bedroom. Even with that being done, most of the time she was tied up and sometimes duct taped so she couldn't move or was limited in her movements. The only time she was allowed out of the room was to clean the house or cook meals. If they ever had to leave the house, she was handcuffed to the car. The abuse past that hasn't been discussed, but if he was going to these lengths to keep an eye on her, I'm sure he was doing other bits of abuse to her. He started using her cell phone to cut ties to her family, along with using it to send in a text message to quit her job. The day of those notes being passed along at the school, the daughter was kept there at school and pulled out of class to talk with the police and I would imagine some sort of a social worker. When Brandon and the mother were pulled over, 
the story about all the abuse started to unfold, along with other horrible things. I've only mentioned the daughter up until this point because the other child, who was four years old, wasn't old enough to be in school. He wasn't going to school and was home all the time. The daughter and mother both reported seeing extensive bruising on the boy and noted that Brandon disciplined him often and extensively. Sometime around early December of last year, the mother stopped seeing her son. She didn't see her son again after December 11th. Brandon told her that her son had gotten sick and that it was, quote, too late at one point. He told her later that he had found him dead, covered in his own vomit. He continued restricting her movements and forbid her to go into the garage. Police found all what she said to be true. Locks on the doors, cameras, covered up windows, etc. They also entered the garage. They found her son, Mason Dominguez. He had been placed in a trash bag and stuffed in a freezer under a piece of cardboard that was supposed to be like a false flooring and had food placed on top of him. At the moment of recording, the cause of death hasn't been released. Brandon Toslin was arrested and charged with kidnapping as well as one count of open murder. He is now in jail awaiting trial. If you suspect a family or friend is going through something like this, please try to intervene. Obviously, not every case of control or abuse is going to be as bad as this one, but it could be, or worse. The situation, or suspected situation, will have to dictate what sort of action needs to be taken. But if there's any question at all, you should try to talk to the potential victim. If you can't get some sort of a sound answer, police need to be called. I can't tell you the correct way to go about this because... As I said, it depends on the situation. I can only hope that the woman and her daughter involved in this can get the help they need to be able to go on after what happened with Mason. I'll try to update everyone on this case as the trial moves on. It's still very early, and there's still a lot to go on from this. He is currently being held without bail. Before I go... I wanted to highlight a couple other shows that should be checked out. I haven't done this in a while and need to start doing some more of this, so on this episode, I have two to mention. First off, if you're like me and you're a YouTube watcher, you should check out a show called Stolen From Me. The host, Lindsay, puts together a great show detailing a variety of crimes and showing various aspects of the incident in her videos. It's definitely well worth a watch on YouTube and can be found there on YouTube by just searching for Stolen From Me True Crime. Also, I had the pleasure to meet another local podcaster at the meetup I posted about a few days ago. His name is Jim Grinstead and he hosts a show called Scams and Cons. His show goes in depth about a variety of different fraud type scenarios and most of them I hear about on a daily basis while at work. His episodes are going to be far less grim and gory than my show, so if you want to take a break from the insanity that I put on this show, be sure to check his out. 
I'll play his trailer now so you can get a better idea of what he does. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create the atmosphere in which they begin to create a dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home, and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. That's it for this episode. Do share the show with your friends, family, and fellow true crime enthusiasts. For Music City 911, I'm Brandon, and y'all have a good one.